What's going on, Misfits? It's me. I'm back in Brooklyn, and me casa, sitting at my desk, so you know it's official. Yeah, I haven't really sat at my desk in a while. That's my way of telling myself I need to get things done. Desk is still kind of a mess, though, but I'm sitting at it as I record this podcast, which is a day late because I, like a dumbass, booked my ticket back home from Vegas hella late and the only option was a 5:40 a.m. that wasn't like a thousand damn dollars and so I stayed up all Sunday night left the hotel at four with uh with the homie Daniel Simonson and we got to the airport now, let me tell you something about the Vegas airport, which is really weird. So if you rent a car from like a second tier car rental place, like like I rented from a company called Fox. But, you know, it's always like these weird ass names like Fox, you know, wheel goes round, um, lumpy, bumpy transmission. But it's like $11 a day for a car rental. And the cars aren't that bad. They just have a little bit more miles on it, which is so weird because I don't understand why. I mean, I guess it's a sense of like fantasy, like why people want their rental car to be so much better than their car at home. But like, let's just be realistic. Like if you drive in like a 2012 Hyundai, you don't need no brand new car with like less than 5,000 miles on it. Like anything under 45,000 miles should be good for you. But no. Car rental places like the top tier ones, they'll release those cars that go over, I don't know, but like go over like, let's say like 30,000 miles, they will send them to like the, the second tier, which they tend to also own. So like Enterprise also owns like a couple smaller, I think they own like dollar, but not budget, but like dollar, I think Avis or whatever. So you, anyway, big companies have smaller companies that they bump their cars down that have too many miles. And then there's like these other companies that are just like, not even on the same parking lot. You hear me? So when you go to Vegas, you get a shuttle that takes you to the car rental hub. And because I was at like a third tier car rental place, I had to take another shuttle to that location. So that was like a 20 minute add on. So I had to do all that in reverse when I got to the airport. Um, Thankfully, I have TSA pre-check. So I was able to just like get in I got to the actual airport like the terminal where my flight was leaving from at like five o'clock my flight was at 5 40 so I just skippity that dude did through that TSA pre-check line and I was at my gate right before they called my group and I went right on like I walked right up and went right onto the plane so thank you for TSA pre-check and with that said I did not get home until like 1 30 yesterday afternoon and I was beat you know you ever get just so exhausted sidebar I slept the entire flight I sleep every single flight I don't know how people cannot sleep on planes I gladly go to sleep before we even pull out of the gate I already got my head leaned up against the window because I only fly in a window seat for that purpose and I was on JetBlue so I had the extra space so I had to stretch I could stretch my legs out this is my little um my little trick so if I do carry on which I do like 90% of the time I put my bag above my luggage above and then I have like my book bag or my you know tote bag or whatever 
you're supposed to put that under the seat in front of you. But since I have long legs, what I do is I put that underneath my knees, like behind my calves. I put that bag so I can stretch my feet out in front of me. And then I always have like a coat, a scarf that's like really big. And then I drape it over me so you can't see under my legs. But there's always that one thirsty ass flight attendant who's like, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am. Your bag has to go under the space in front of you. And I want to be like, why? Why? I'm not tap dancing. I'm not river dancing in my seat. Who cares if my bag is not underneath the seat in front of me? If it's behind my legs, it's still secured. It's not going to float around or roll over anywhere. Let me stretch my feet out. Hater. So... I would sleep the entire flight. I woke up like once or twice and I apologize if I pass gas on that flight. I mean, I don't know what my body does when I'm asleep because I go into a REM sleep. I mean, I'm knocked out and I just wish that I could like leave a sign and be like apologies in advance if I pass gas in my sleep. Don't act like y'all don't pass gas in your sleep. You have no way of knowing. But see what I try to do is I always put like, you know, like I said, a coat or a, a scarf over me, like over my leg. So hopefully that contains the fart a little bit but I don't know I ate a lot of shit at the buffet so anyway I was asleep but I still wasn't in a rested space so I came home yesterday and I just like laid on the couch for like a second did some work and then went right back out and got you know did some work so I really am still making up for sleep so I didn't get a chance to um do this yesterday, but I am doing it today and I have things I want to talk about. So when I came back to New York City yesterday, I had did this a while ago, like maybe like a month and a half ago, I applied for global entry. So I already have TSA pre-check and I should have just did fucking see. That's why you got to just stop yourself from being cheap or apprehensive about things. I got TSA pre-check like four or five years ago and it expired. And when I got the note that it expired, it says you can easily just reapply online, pay the money, 85 bucks and get your, you know, continue TSA pre-check. But I was like, well, since I, I'm going to do a bunch of international travel soon, I should just do global entry. Now, I should have just did global entry back then. I don't know why I limited myself. I should have just did it back then. Right. But I guess not what I'm about to say, I guess it doesn't even matter at this point. So I was like, well, instead of me just doing TSA pre-check, let me do global entry. So I pay that fee a hundred and like $25 or whatever it is. And that gives me a renewed TSA pre-check and a brand new global entry. But of course y'all's president is showing his monkey ass and the border, what is it? Department of customs and borders is, has canceled all New York state residents global entry passes or access because the state of New York is not complying with the racist ass request to, you know, shit on immigrants and turn over information about people who are here as immigrants. And so that means they're trying to say that it's preventing, um, illegal immigrants from sneaking into the country so if you get rid of global entry then that means you prevent it and so it's all bullshit it's all lies but it's just like people are so caught up in headlines and how things are spinned that they don't realize the truth the truth is that this administration is racist and they don't want to be held accountable for their racism. And so what they're doing instead is trying to penalize people who won't play their racist game, i.e. the state of New York, and penalize the people in the state. 
in the city. And it's like, you know how big of a travel destination New York City is. You know how people go. It's a major hub. It's an international airport. And you mean to tell me that you're not going to get people global entry only who live in New York State? Like, so I went there just to get like confirmation because, like I said, you see so many things in the news and the headlines of people here say he's he she say he said whatever. I took my monkey ass from Terminal Four, no Terminal Five. I walked to Terminal Four, went and found the office. I walked in; it was empty, but it was open. All the people had their uniforms on doing nothing because, you know, there's no more global entry. And the woman was very helpful because, like I said, there was nobody in there. So they can't do nothing. They don't have nothing to do. And she was like, well, if you use a New York State address on your application, it was canceled. And I was like, really? I was like, can you just check? Like, I just like I just needed to see this. She was like, "Okay, fine. Sat down. I mean, it's pleasant. Like, this is probably the most pleasant interaction I've ever had with like a federal employee because, they know they ain't got nothing to do because their job is being like undermined. And so she was just happy to interact with somebody. So I sat down with her and she typed in my information and then she, you know, you ever see the movies where, um, where they like show people like they have like a negative balance on their bank account. So I'm sitting across from her and she turns the entire Dell desktop screen towards me and points next to my name application status canceled so what they did is they canceled everybody's application even though you've been already approved for global entry they canceled it all the people who have global entry in new york state are no longer able to use global entry in new york state when you enter into this country from another country because in their words which is all false racist propaganda it's helping them to deter illegal immigrants from sneaking into this country now if you know anything about global entry which i realize a lot of people do not because a lot of people in this country do not travel globally they don't understand the process of even getting tsa pre-check or global entry which is you have to show Proof of address, you need to show two forms of identification, either a social security card, a passport, a state ID. You even do a fingerprinting because you have to check that you don't have any type of illegal activity on your record in order for you to pass and become an, an access member of TSA PreCheck and Global Entry. But see, people don't know that. So they just hearing, oh, Global Entry, the world, immigrants who aren't from America coming here. Oh, yeah, make sure we got to stop their entry. That is why you have to be educated, people. That is why you need to always ask questions. That is why you need to do more research than just looking at headlines. I always say, like, the worst thing that happened to media as me, a former journalist, is when I started seeing, like, like reputable news publications putting bullet points and, like, little mini cliff notes to the article so that people didn't have to read the full thing and CNN started doing that like like over a decade ago you would go to their website I know look at a story and like underneath the headline off to the left will be a little box that says like uh you know this is happening blah 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 like four or five things from like this long like 700 word article and it's like well what's the point of reading the nuance if you're just telling me the cliff notes and that cliff notes as you know is subjective to the person who's providing the information it's like that person that writer or that editor is like well I personally believe that these are the five key things that are the most important and his perspective or her perspective is different than everybody else's so you're getting your news filtered through the lens of a person who may not relate to the same experiences or have the same information requirements that you have that's why you have to do your own research so I did my own research and a bitch can't use global entry that's what I figured out yesterday okay which didn't help 
because it was another little mini defeat. And I realized something. The reason why it hurt me so, because it's so audacious for them to even do this. It's, it's so petty. It's so petty. But everything about this administration is petty. And I'm in a position where me not having global entry is not the end of the world. However, it is annoying and it is going to be time consuming as I travel. But it's not impeding on my life. However, this administration has impeded on people's lives and continues to do so. So if this infraction can just piss me off, um, you know, it's not even imagine like it's already happening where people's freedoms are being stepped upon every single day. And a lot of times the majority of us don't have outrage because it doesn't affect us. And so as I was walking out of the office, there was this like, you know, well, like well put together white man, you know, like nice flourishing hair and like a LL bean, you know, quilted jacket, you know, the type and like, you know, probably like a loafer shoe. I didn't really see, but definitely a hard bottom shoe. And, you know, he probably just took a cab to JFK so he can get his global entry popping because he has to go somewhere for work. And when he walked in, as I was walking out with my suitcase and he had none because he was not in the airport, but he came there specifically to get his global entry. One of the officers, not the woman who helped me, but another officer was like, so um, do you know what's going on right now? And he goes, uh, with Global Entry, he was like, yeah, um, no one's getting it, basically. And you could just see the frustration on this white man's face. Like, how dare my life be impacted by this fucking president? And that's what's going to happen. We're going to constantly be reminded that our lives are being influenced, impacted and disrespected by this administration. And other people in a political party who aren't necessarily in the White House, but definitely in cahoots or who have been compromised. I personally believe that the GOP has been undermined and compromised by foreign politics and money for decades now. And this is all it's like this is the pimple coming ready to pop like it's been festering. And now it's at that tender, that tender moment that like like a white head pimple. I'm getting really excited because you know I love pimples. Like a white head pimple where like the the um the layer of skin it's so it's like translucent because it's so ready to pop. It's like paper thin. You know what I'm saying? Like all you gotta do is like squeeze it and it just pop a little bit and you squeeze it even more and then like really erupts. And then you squeeze it more because you're like, there has to be more in there because there's already so much and then blood comes out. Like that's where we are as a country. We're at that point where like it's the redness around the pimple that's letting you know like it's finna happen. That's what we are. Um, so I didn't get global entry. I came home from Vegas, uh, short some money. I'm not gonna say how much. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough for y'all to be like, Chloe, why would you even play yourself? So the first couple times I went to Vegas, I actually won money, but I think like they said it was beginner's luck. Like I was just putting money in a slot machine, pressing buttons and winning like fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty dollars. Legit. And then I was like, ooh, I know how to do this now. And last time I was there, I didn't really gamble because um, I was I was doing edits of my book. So I was I couldn't like spend the time to go down there. But this time I was like, oh, I'm going to gamble. So I did like the five dollar craps table and I would just like break even. And then I leave the table and then like I go the next day and I would like be down like 60. No, I'll be down like 40 bucks. Also, I only start only only play with like a hundred dollars. So I start with like a hundred I break even, then I leave. The next day I go back like, ooh, I broke even, so now I'm do even better. And then I go down like 40. And then like the third day, I was like, well, I got 60, so let me just go hard or go home. And then I like lose all 60. 
then I was like, after that, I'm not gonna play craps because you know, I am still very conservative with my money. And so I only play when the table's like $5, 10 if I'm feeling lucky. But since it was a big weekend holiday, um, Valentine's Day and President's Day, like most of the tables were like 10 to $25. And I was like, oh, that's too rich for my blood. So I stuck to uh, to slot machines. And so what I normally do is I try to like walk around and find something that speaks to my spirit. Normally something with like, you know, Egypt in it or leprechaun. Don't judge me. And I'm a play and I did well and I won on like three different machines. But then I would like take my voucher that I won money on and it goes to another machine and then like spend it all. And so I didn't make any money in Vegas this weekend. But so I'm going to try next time I don't know maybe I need to go to like a different casino maybe it's just not for me at the Rio maybe I need to go to a fancy a fancy casino with like marble floors and then I can play the penny slot machines with dignity we also have to acknowledge a loss today um Janet Dubois the singer songwriter and actress you may remember from good Time. she was Walona she was um floor Florida Florida's best friend and Penny aka Janet Jackson's stepmother foster mother foster mother in good times she also wrote and sang the theme song to the Jeffersons we'll be moving on up to the east side with a deluxe apartment in the sky we're moving on up and it just reminded me of what I said last time last episode when I talked about Robin Givens and how she would have definitely been a starlet if she lived in a different time and or was white. And I feel the same way about Janet Dubois. She was a triple threat, a singer, songwriter and actress. And she could, she would have soared like, and I think, I think all of these realizations that happened to me, you know, because it is black history month and you see all of these like great factoids and, you know, tidbits about African lives, African American lives in America. And you're just like, yo, we could have done so much if given the opportunity, if given the freedom to be just who we are with no re- restrictions, no limitations, we would have thrived. And, and, and it's by nothing but the grace of God, the universe or whatever powerful being you want to acknowledge that we have been able to amass what we have, despite all the setbacks that have been placed in front of us. And there's a wonderful video on social media. It's like a silent film, but it shows a black town in like the 1920s in America. And it's a thriving town, black owned businesses, wall to wall, mom and pop, pharmacists, dentists, grocery store hair salon just a thriving black town and you know you realize that integration and it integration as it has come to be has not worked in our favor and I'm not saying that we should have segregated towns even though we do have segregated towns or cities to this day but I do think that the argument should have been and I don't know I mean I'm not super well versed in all of the all of the um, legislation or copy that was attributed to the goals of the civil rights movement. But I do think that we ask for equality. We ask for desegregation. And what we got was access to, and what we got was access to their stuff that they abandoned because they didn't want to share it with us. So technically it's like, yes, you have access to the pool, but we just don't swim there no more. It's not like, 
it's not a law thing. It's like we just happen to no longer swim in that pool. But y'all can go ahead and swim there. And since we don't swim in that pool no more, we're not going to really set aside the city funding to repair the pool or to make sure that it's up to date because we don't live there no more. So we don't pay these taxes and y'all pay the taxes. And if y'all choose to fund the pool, then go ahead. But it's open to everybody. It just so happens that we just don't go there no more. And then the pool goes into disrepair and then y'all don't have a pool. So, you know, it was an okie doke and it's just so much to process. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, another thing that pissed me off along those same lines is now there's going to be a 1776 project last year. Um, was it last year? It felt like last year. I don't know. It's all a blur. Yes. Last year, the 1619 project came out, which is a very thoroughly reported and written, well um, researched document or project rather about the first Africans who landed here in America and how slavery, the industry was created as a result of that here in the United States of America. And it's basically like reshaping what we've been taught about enslavement here and the business of it and our legacy in this country. And of course, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. And so they decided to come up with a retort, which is a 1776 project. And I ain't even going to give it no more energy than that. But it just goes to show you that like, just because one group does one thing doesn't mean you need to retort. Like there doesn't need, you don't need to constantly rain on people's parades. You don't need to constantly shit on people's life experiences. It's like, just understand that this happened. You may not like that it happened. So instead of you saying that it's fucked up, that African-Americans were enslaved in this country and that the success and the reason why this country is a first world country is on literally the blood, sweat and and titty milk of black people who fed and fought for this country. Instead of you just saying that that's fucked up, that that happened, you don't have to erase the fact that it happened because you're uncomfortable by it. I don't get it. I don't even want to talk about it no more. It's pissing me off. And you know who else is pissing me off? All my homies, Monroe, Derek, Reggie, especially who want to try and tell me that Chris Brown is the closest thing that we have in this generation to Michael Jackson. I'm going to take a moment so y'all can process that. I know it's crazy, right? Absolutely crazy. I think, I think that people have very short memories and never in my wildest dreams would I ever, I mean, even, I mean, even if you, even if money was on the line and he was like, Chloe, just say that Chris Brown was the closest thing to Michael Jackson. I'd be like, I am absolutely sorry. I have to walk away. Deal or no deal, no deal. He is nowhere near. First of all, the precision that Michael Jackson had. And, and I know, I know, first of all, let's be clear. I'm only talking about Michael Jackson, the artist. If you talk about both of their dysfunctions and their issues when it comes to intimacy and relationships, I think the niggas is neck and neck. But when it comes to actual talent, Michael Jackson had the precision. He had the poise. He had the technical ability, the sharpness in his dance moves his voice unmatched. Okay. Unmatched. I mean, like if you ever listen to acoustic, like vocals, like the stripped down vocals of Michael Jackson, unfucking parallel. Chris Brown, on the other hand, 
is not technical. He has a natural talent, but it's like Chris Brown is a kid in class who gets B's, who doesn't read any of the work and still gets B's. It's like if you just applied yourself, you get A pluses, but you don't want to apply yourself because you're too busy doing graffiti art and perming your hair color. So, I mean, it's no comparison. There's no comparison. So, I, I mean, and so basically this whole thing started on Super Bowl Sunday. We were all at Monroe's. And the argument came about like who was better, Usher or Chris Brown. And I said, Usher's better because I like polished professional artists. Chris Brown to me does not seem polished or professional. And it may be a generational thing. I may have, you know, a little um, hesitation towards him or or a block against him because of everything that happened with Rihanna and him being a spoiled brat and, and toxic masculinity and all of that jazz. So that could also be a reason but if I had to watch somebody perform, I would rather see Usher perform, sing and dance than Chris Brown. That's just me. It could be a generational thing. It could be a generational thing. But Chris Brown is nowhere near Michael Jackson. So I just had to clear that and put that on the record. On the record. It's national drink wine day i'm really tired of y'all just um trying to fill up calendar space who gives a fuck about national drink wine day i don't even like wine that's not my thing it's not as they say it's not my zhuzh i'm not a wine drinker i actually think i'm allergic to white wine because whenever i drink it, it it just locks my jaw up i know it's the weirdest thing like i just get that tingling and like mm, like that and i just can't stand it so i don't do white wine if you ever see me out don't offer me white wine i'm not gonna drink it um I like sugary drinks. I don't even really like red wine like that. I like sangria. I'm a bird. When it comes to my alcoholic preferences, I'm a whole bird. I like it sweet and colorful if possible. I want sugar in it, simple syrup. I want some ginger in it. I want some uh, fucking mint leaves. Just make it a mojito. If you do anything mojito style or margarita style, I'm going to drink it. Especially if it's frozen. If it's frozen, I'm going to drink it. Not to mention, I'm not even a big drinker, but when I do drink, which is probably like once or twice, um, maybe a month, like legit, I really don't drink. I did drink in Vegas because I was in Vegas. And what else is it to do when you stay in a, ho- a casino for a week? But I like drinks. Fruity, I don't like those maraschino cherries. Um, I love like, uh, I can't really do coconut anymore cause I'm allergic to coconut. I know it's really sad. I used to fuck up a strawberry pina colada from, um, um, Dallas BBQs with the, with the umbrella and a motherfucking vial of vodka. So I definitely am not sophisticated when it comes to my drinking preferences, but I guess it's national wine day. So go ahead and pour a cup for somebody that you love. Um, pop that bottle. I like a good Moscato. I'm a bird. I'm telling you, when it comes to drinking, I'm a whole caca. I'm a bird. I like fruity, fruity, fruity. Like it might as well just be Kool-Aid with bubbles in it. Like that's, I mean, there's no bubbles in wine. That's it goes to show you how much of a drinker I'm not. But I like sweetie. I like sweet drinks. I do. I like, I want it to be like, mm, like almost like a dessert. Like, <laughs> I know I'm not classy when it comes to that. We all have our flaws, ladies and gentlemen. We all have our flaws. So with that, I bid you adieu. I just wanted to come and and vent a little bit and make sure that you guys are aware of all that's happening when it comes to traveling in this country. 
use me as a lesson. If you go to Vegas, uh, budget wisely. I, 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 I don't like to go over like $200 for my, like, I'll just have $200 that I use and I'll gamble with that. And if I go up and down, that's fine. But once I do that, once I lose that 200, I ain't gonna lie. I give myself like another $40 and then I'm done, done. Then I'm done, done. Um, I'm so, so glad that I left Vegas before the uh, Democratic debate uh, on Wednesday. That should be interesting because Bloomberg bought his way into that. And if you want to know more about Bloomberg, you can listen to the last episode where I drag him for filth because that stunt queen is doing the absolute most. She's a dead ringer in the race and a fronter. And y'all going to let her convince you that she is out here doing the people's work just because she lifted Obama's voice for her a recent TV ad I mean I, I heard Obama's voice in Bloomberg and I was like what but then it's like fine print in the bottom left like oh this is from 2012 it's like get that fucking propaganda out of here I can't stand it anyway um new episode this week uh other than this one I am back with interviewing people like I said and um I'm excited to post this next episode that's coming out on Thursday or Friday I haven't decided yet whenever it gets done because I actually have to edit it and um, I love to hear your feedback of course ladies and gentlemen remember oh wait I have a plug um well remember to buy my book and share it I appreciate all of you who are already doing so it's continuing to spread and people are constantly hitting me up and let me know how much they love it and how it made them laugh and taught them something so go to fyourdiet.com to pick up a copy of my book also, uh, tonight, this evening, I start taping this week at the cellar again. So if you like to see me perform stand up, I will be on Comedy Central's This Week at the Cellar. It's a brand new third season. I believe it's like six or eight episodes. I think six or eight episodes. They come out every Friday night and then they also put clips out on social media. So you can check me there. Make sure you share and like and post and comment. And um, and yeah, you know, let's let's. Keep up the good fight. I mean, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, baby. It's all about you. It's all about you. Keep your head up. Be strong. Be positive. Be be truthful. Be honest with yourself. Be realistic. Okay? Those are my, my words of the day. Love you all. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye. And I digress. But at least you got a little piece of Brad Pitt. So they dated for a while, and they're sitting at a table with, like, matching hats and nerdy glasses and then most recently brad post was it drug or alcohol addiction he went to rehab or something like that after he divorced angelina jolie and their tribe of kids and now he's at this year's oscars and he's holding hands and helping regina king and her gown and he just has his face on like yes honey i'm here to serve and his face is nice and clean and and you know so basically brad pitt is here with three different black queens living his best life smiles for days and so i replied to this and i said i think there's a direct correlation to the hot white guy who self-implodes later in life because he really wanted to be with a black woman all along blinks in jt now jt stands for justin timberlake now y'all know damn good and well when y'all first saw nsync and you first saw justin timberlake and he was out there leading the pack and doing his choreography even though he was with britney spears at the time once he went solo once he linked up with timberland 
once he was out there doing songs with Jay-Z, you knew before, way before he popped Janet Jackson titty out during the Super Bowl, you know when he was rocking them cornrows to the back with the bedazzled head bandana on, you know, you know when he was on BET singing Gone, and the black or white video, you knew in your heart of hearts that Justin Timberlake was supposed to be with a black woman. You just knew it. You just knew it. You was like, he likes black women. He need to be he need to be with a black woman for sure. Hands down. He need to be with a black woman. When you knew when he opened up his soul food restaurant and he was talking about how good his mac and cheese was, you knew that he needed to be with a black woman. It was no if ands or buts about it. He was like, I was just like, oh, he's gonna be with a black woman. And he'll be happy. But nope, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Nope, Justin Timberlake, he didn't do it. He he succumbed to the pressure of being in this entertainment business because the truth of the matter is, and I can attest to this firsthand, is that white women do not fuck with white men who fuck with black women. Like facts. Fucking facts. Okay? I recall after college so in college I played basketball division three but whatever so the basketball teams the men and the women we always traveled together whenever we had conference games it would always be a double header cost effective so we would all pile into the bus we all go to the airport we all fly to whatever city we go into to play the game so on those bus trips and all that nonsense, we, you know, got close with the guy's team and we would shoot the shit and crack jokes and, you know, whatever. Kick it, hang out with them. And most of the team, the women team too, but like most of them were white. But there was a couple of like the guys on the team that, you know, especially like the black girls, we would just like be cracking jokes with, you know, and they were like, they were like typical white guys. They wasn't white guys who try to be black they were just like straight up white guys from the suburbs whatever and you know we would have good conversations we would talk about like you know some serious things whatever so there was just an understanding there was a friendship there was a rapport that was created over the course of playing basketball for what I was on the team for two years anyway so fast forward I graduate school I'm like working somewhere, you know, in media. I go to some bar. I run into one of the guys. And, you know, we all had nicknames for each other. So I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know. This I'm just saying this is not a real nickname. But I'm just like, oh, my God, Linus. Because this guy, he like looked like a Peanuts character. So I'm just going to say Linus. Oh, my God, Linus, so good to see you. He's like, oh, my God, Chloe, it's been so long. We like, you know, he's like with a group of people, but we see each other and like instantly like, oh, my God, we go give each other a big hug and we just chit chatting and talking. And you could just see all of the white women around him were like, who the fuck is this black woman? Why do you know her? Why is she hugging you? Why are you so happy to see her? Like they just could not get it. They could not get it. It. He was trying to introduce me to them. They were just like, like wet paper towel handshake. They was just trying to figure out in what in what way would he ever be connected or or identify or relate to a black woman. They were fucking baffled, baffled. So I know in my heart of hearts that if Justin Timberlake had listened to his true true self. And had a relationship with a woman of color, <laughs> honey, 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 he would not be the Justin Timberlake. He'd be Robin Thicke. That's what he'd be. He'd be fucking Robin Thicke. 
he be Robin Thicke because Robin Thicke has to have a black audience because white women will never buy his motherfucking music because once they know that he was with a black woman Paula Patton they're gonna be like well he ain't talking about me so that's not a love song that I want to listen to yes I'm serious y'all I'm serious and so based on my theory that's the reason why Justin Timberlake was seen with his black co-star or whatever project i'm sure they probably shelved that whole fucking project it was like no we ain't gonna make no money because he was seen holding hands with his black co-star while filming his film they gonna scrap that whole movie because justin timberlake their white king has crossed and blurred the lines and now he's been tainted he's been tainted by his black woman co-star that harlot how dare she touch his hand on that balcony in public where everybody could see them how dare he agree to go out with her for drinks knowing that he could be seen on video and he's married with kids how dare she tempt him that jezebel she tempted him now we got to scrap the whole movie y'all we got to cut the whole movie because the white women are not going to go see him knowing that he was touched by his black woman co-star anyway so you have him now apologizing for his actions, apologizing to his family for embarrassing him. But it's just like, well, what's the embarrassment that she was with another woman on a balcony or that she was black? Like <laughs> get into that subtext. So Justin Timberlake is probably going to say he has a drinking problem and go to rehab, all this other stuff. And same thing with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, oh, I got, you know, I'm addicted to whatever drugs, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like if you was just allowed to be with the black queen that you wanted to be with all along, you wouldn't be having this existential crisis and running down a rabbit hole of addiction. I mean, I'm I am grossly generalizing here, but I do think there is. I mean, for shits and giggles, of course, I'm being extreme, but I do think that there is a little undertone of reality in my thought process when it comes to this, because I know how often white men fetishize or fantasize or truly, truly, truly admire and want to be with black people or women of color, but they can't because they'll be kicked out of the white privilege team. That's just my theory. So that was my tweet of the week that people have been definitely retweeting and liking. And it sparked a lot of conversation. So that in my um, my rage at people seriously considering Mike Bloomberg. Those are the things that I've been engaging the most with on uh, Twitter this week. And you can follow me on Twitter. Chloe, like I said, Chloe underscore Hilliard on Twitter, Chloe underscore Hilliard on Instagram, and Chloe three underscores on TikTok. And above all, of course, I hope you guys are enjoying my book. I'm going to have a post next week's episode is going to be with my longtime dear friend who I actually uh, write about in the book. We have a great sit down conversation. So look forward to that next week. And I'm also going to hit you back with another moment. So, you know, next week will be two episodes. It'll be Monday, uh, my Monday morning, you know, misfit moments. I'll be traveling. My flight out of Vegas is really early. So it'll be at some point in the day that I drop that episode. And then um, the later in the week, I'll have the full full episode with me talking with my dear friend who is in my book, Fuck Your Diet. So that's all I got for you guys this week. Thank you for hanging out with me. Happy Valentine's Day. Love, suck, fuck on somebody. Uh, do it for me because I'm here by myself in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? I can't even watch porn because I feel like I'm a part of 
sex, a sex trafficking syndicate, so I can't watch porn anymore. But, you know, bust a nut for me, okay? And when you climax, say, oh, Chloe, and I'll hear it and I'll feel all the love. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Love you. Love on somebody. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.